It is good to be here again. You look better than you did the last couple of times I was here. Um, I can see your faces a little better. Keep up the good work. I've enjoyed the Sunday school lesson. And uh, this might come through as a little bit of a rebuttal to that, but that's not the intent of it. But maybe it's a little bit the flip side of that. So how many of you agree with what you heard in the Sunday school lesson this morning? Do you agree with it? I, I just didn't see very many hands. So how many of you have lived up to that in every area of life? Why didn't you raise your hand? I haven't either. I can't stick my hand up. So the title I have here is Take Heed. How many of you have ever seen a severely intoxicated individual, maybe even to the point of lying in the gutter? What went through your mind when you saw that individual? Let me see, James, you raised your hand, right? What, did, what went through your mind when you saw that individual? Okay. Felt sorry for him. I, things that come to my mind are in Guatemala. We, that's been a lot of years ago. We were driving up the road, and right there in the gutter was a man lying. Not too many years ago, sitting in a parking lot in Baltimore, there was a man passed out right there in the parking lot. So have any of you ever heard the saying in relation to that type of a situation, but for the grace of God, that's me. But for the grace of God, that individual could be me. You know, we could say, and maybe have said, that person is there because of choices made in their life. That might be true. But for the grace of God, you and I could be right there today. Or you might have observed a broken home or a situation of abuse and similar thoughts have come to your mind. But for the grace of God, that could be me. Let's change the picture a little bit. So what do you think or say or what responses have you heard when a fellow Christian falls? They should have known better than that. And that's true. We've heard that this morning. Can't they see what they've done to others?
And this is the one that probably is more in focus than anything this morning. I would never do something like that. Now, you might not say that, but responses a lot of times indicate that type of a mindset. I would never do something like that. Why do I assume the worst when I don't know the whole story? Now, this, this sermon isn't my assuming story, okay? Or my assuming sermon. Now, I'm not saying that our expectations of fellow Christians shouldn't be at a different level than what that person in the gutter was. But we've got to think carefully and be careful how we think and respond to failures in a fellow Christian's life. I've observed someone that criticized another for failure, and before long, the one that was critical experienced failure in their own life. Now, I'm not here condoning failure in the life of a Christian. My concern is that my response to failure in others could be just as much a failure in my own life. Now, this is just a little minute thing, okay? We were still attending here at Bethany and living over here at Mount Solon. I told my family I had to go to a meeting that night. Full intentions of being at that meeting. When I walked into the house that night at 8 o'clock, it struck me. I was supposed to be at a meeting an hour ago, and I wasn't there. I knew about it. I would made plans for it. I totally forgot about it. I had every intention of being there, but I wasn't there. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 says this, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Apostle Paul said, the only reason I got to where I was was because of the grace of God working in my life. And I got that shouldn't be news for you because we studied Sunday school lesson this morning, but that's the only way you'll get to where God wants you to is by His grace working in your life. John 8, verse 7, Jesus speaking to the crowd that was there. So when they continued asking Him, He lifted up Himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. We've got to be careful what kind of stones we're throwing when a fellow Christian fails. 
Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And Brother Lee read some of that this morning. The temptations of Christ. I have a lot of these verses printed out. I'm going to try to get done before the clock gets done. Galatians 6 says this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. And that's typically where we want to stop. We're the spiritual, we're the strong, and we're going to get out and restore that individual. But the verse keeps on. And I think this is too many times where we fail. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Matthew 7. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I know what it's like to get something in my eye. I still remember one time I had a little speck in there and my family doctor couldn't find it. But they wouldn't put any drops in there to numb it because they were afraid that it would do more damage to the eye. I went home and I knew there was something in there. So I went to a specialist and the first thing he did was put a drop in my eye. That felt good. But here there was something in there that was almost the color of that part of my eye, and he said it looks like a cat has scratched your eyeball. I couldn't see clearly until I got that speck out of my eye. Now the plank and the speck might not be from the same tree. It might be something different. It might be from a different plant even, or maybe sand versus sawdust or something else. It might be a different thing. The failure may be a total of a totally different nature. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read the first part of this chapter. I won't make a lot of comments on a lot of the verses, but I want you to notice the word all in the first parts of this chapter, first verses of this chapter. 1 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers, is talking about the children of Israel, all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, didn't some of them go around the Red Sea by another route? They all went through there. All were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. 
I'm going to stop there just a little bit. So you have an inclusive group that received the same thing. They received the same nourishment. They received the same guidance and everything. But look what verse 5 says. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. I'll stop there just a little bit again. I'm not sure if it was the first or the second year of Berea Christian School. You know, see, the school started in 72, and I was a junior in high school that year. And we were putting out the yearbook, and we wanted to put a caption under one of them. You know, you sat down to eat your lunch and to drink your whatever you brought in your thermos, and then you went out to play. And we saw, thought this Bible verse was a good caption to put under there. They sat down to eat and drink and went out to play. That caption wasn't allowed. Because, see, we didn't take it in its context. It's not in a good context. Because they were idolatry, worshiping idols in their, in their revelry and so forth. Continuing on. Uh, verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. I'm going to stop again. These things were recorded in Scripture to teach us something. And I'm afraid sometimes we're pretty slow learners. At least I am. Verse 12. Because of all this, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And that's where the title comes from this morning. If you think you've got it all together and this isn't going to happen to me, you better look out because you're the weakest then. Because you're standing, I'm standing in J.P.'s power and not in the power of God working in my life. Let me read two more verses yet. Verse 13, and this is a favorite verse of mine, but it hasn't been lived out in my life too many times. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Beginning of verse 12. Presumption is the greatest of all dangers. He who realizes his danger will be on his guard. The safe way is conscious of weakness, not to dally with temptation. 
when I recognize that I can't do it, is the best way. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, he might depart from, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I recognize I can't do it, and I've got to depend on Christ working in me, that's the strongest point in my life. When I think I've got it together, I better watch out. I want to uh, read from the Amplified, verse 13. And it was interesting, when I went to, to look for this on my Power Bible, the Amplified doesn't come up. And so I went to look for it, and online it didn't come up and match what I've got in a book at the house and uh, it was worded different. So I uh, went back and found the one that I was reading out of my parallel Bible. Verse 13, For no temptation, that is, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, none of that has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. Or that is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience and such as man can bear, but God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature and he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure but with the temptation, he will provide the way out, the means to escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. God's provided a way. Too many times I don't take that way because I think I can do it myself. I want to look at a scriptural example of taking heed. Matthew 26. Now, the four Gospels give it. Some of them have some different, a little different wording of it. I chose to use Matthew's account. In Matthew 26, I want to start reading at verse 31, read a few verses, and then I'm going to skip down a little bit. Verse 31, then Jesus said to them, and this is Jesus preparing his disciples for his death, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 33, Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. 
many times is that my response? How many times is that your response? Verse 34, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. I have a question for you. Did Peter have an option as to whether he was going to deny Jesus or not? I had somebody tell me one time when I asked that question, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. Jesus did, just knew what Peter was going to do. Peter still had the choice to make. And he said, I can do it. I'm going to stand with you. Verse 35, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will, I will not deny you. Peter said, I'll die for you. I won't deny you. Jesus just told him, you're going to die, deny me three times yet today. And we get pretty hard on Peter, I think. Because the rest of that verse says, so said all the disciples. They all said that. We'll die with you. We're not going to deny you. But yet we have the account going on just with Peter. Verse 58, Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Verse 69, now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. A little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, but for the grace of God, that's me. But for the grace of God, that's you. When you think you can do it by yourself, you're going to fail, period. Verse 75, Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. I believe Peter found victory that night. And it's evidenced in Scripture. We read some from Peter this morning in church. Peter gave us a lot of good Scriptures through inspiration of Christ, of God. I want to look just a little bit at the Mark account because it's, this, is, this is the account where Mark says, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And I think it's interesting. So how many times do we think, well, you know, uh, it, it's, it's okay. 
Verse 66 of Mark 14. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. Stop there just a little bit. So, it seemed to me like there was a warning. But it, the indication is it didn't phase Peter. Verse 69, the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them. For you are a Galilean and your speech shows it. Then he, root, then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. The second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. But for the grace of God, that's me. Now, not the weeping part of it. I'm talking about the denying part of it. Because, see, we can't stand under the pressures on our own. So why do we look at someone that fails like we just got it all together and it never happened to us? Second Peter 3, verse 9 and 10, a couple verses here, and again, these are printed out. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, but both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which dwelleth righteousness. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and untable, unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. 
I thought about titling this sermon, Take Heed, Beware. I thought about titling it, Beware, because here again you have a warning. Since you know this beforehand, beloved, beware that you also, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. You and I don't have it within us to stand. But we have provisions through Christ, and that's the only way that we can stand. I added a little something to this from what I gave at Strasburg. I was, I don't know if I was sleeping or where, but a, a song came to my mind. And uh, it's a song that uh, at least one phrase in it has stirred up a little controversy. But I think it's true in relation to what I've shared this morning. And that's a song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I want to read that, and there's a verse in here that I've never seen before when I looked it up. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thine help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. And now there's a verse here that I had never seen before. Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Clothed then in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Take my ransomed soul away. Send thine angels now to carry me to realms of endless day. And then the verse that has caused a little controversy at times. Oh, to grace how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Some people don't like to see, sing the phrase, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We heard this morning about the wiles of the devil. And he's out to get you. And you're probably going to feel prone to wonder sometimes in life. I do, and I don't think I'm too much different than a lot of other people. The only way we can come through temptation victoriously is through the blood of Christ. I hope if you don't miss, if you don't get anything else this morning, that you'll change your thought patterns when someone fails. Because but for the grace of God, that's you 
and that's me. We don't have it all together. It's only through Christ. I want to close with a couple of verses from Psalm 119. I want to read one verse from two different versions. Verse 9 of Psalm 119. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Some of that goes right along with our Sunday school lesson this morning. And in case you wonder about the mind of a preacher, I don't look at the Sunday school lesson before I get ready to preach. When you see that person in the gutter or somebody suffering because of whatever in their life, I hope you think about it. But for the grace of God, that's me. When you see your fellow Christian fall, I hope you don't go down that trail of what's wrong with that individual or why couldn't they see what was going to happen. I hope you think about except for the grace of God. That's me. The Lord bless you as you live out life in his power.